Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Loading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive, and I was supposed to be joined by my co-host Ricky tonight. We had planned for his triumphant return last week. Um, however, plans changed, as certain people in the wrestling industry industry say. Childcare issues have become an issue tonight for Ricky. His wife stuck in work. So we'll blame retail, we'll blame public transport, and we'll blame Edinburgh as well. I've got no problems blaming Edinburgh for Ricky not being able to come on tonight, so I do apologise if you are looking forward to hearing Ricky's dulcet tones once again. It will have to wait until next week. If you're willing to stick with me, I'll do my best to get you all geared up and ready and raring to go for SummerSlam weekend. Before we do that though, let's get some business out of the way. Shout out to powerslam.tv, our sponsors, who, if you put in the promo code Social Suplex onto the laptop website or PC website, if you're still a wee bit old school like that, uh, powerslam.tv, promo code Social Suplex, all one word, you can get yourself a free month of over 4,000 hours worth of independent wrestling from around the world. And also, if you want to wear a nice wee t shirt, it's getting a wee bit cooler now, not as hot, horrible weather. So you might want to wrap up warm with, not too warm, with a nice t-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.net where you've got a few social suplex t-shirts there for you to choose from. I, I'll shout, even though they're not an official sponsor, I will shout out Google Docs just because I like to use them. However, tonight my Google Docs is empty. As I say, this is as unplanned as it's going to get with regards to a solo show. Due to the unforeseen circumstances, the Google Doc for bullet points is as empty as the Google Docs that the main roster's creative team use five minutes before TV starts. So hopefully I've got some good stuff to bring you tonight. Won't keep you too long. You can get back to your originally scheduled programming afterwards. Speaking of programming, it's been a bit of an annoying week for me. Last week I had issues getting 205 Live to be watched in time for the column. And I thought, okay, this has just been the update. No worry here, just give it a couple of days. But as it turns out, my main place to watch the network is on my Kindle Fire, which, for some reason, WWE have not decided to have as a supported device for the updated WWE network. So... I've been in a bit of a conundrum as to what to do because that is where I watch most of my wrestling and I've had to resort to WWE Watch, WWE.com or something so it's basically going into the normal browser on my Kindle logging into the network that way and watching it it's alright, it's not as user friendly as the app is it's obviously a first world problem but it's given me some heebie-jeebies and I'm not happy so if there's anyone from WWE listening, please sort out your, your um, 205 Clive here and get the WWE app updated onto the Kindle Fire. Thank you very much. Make sure my £10, a.k.a. $13, is well spent. Uh, good news to level that out, though. 
Say what you want about Alexa Bliss. Not many fans of her around the world. There are some other fans, but she has become a triple crown winner with the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion, and now she is the WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. But the main news is that it's alongside a fellow a Scot, a fellow Scot of ours, Nikki Cross. Not only is she a Scot, she's a female from Glasgow. So unless my memory serves me wrong, we officially have the first Glaswegian woman to hold gold in WWE. That was excellent to see. Very proud of her. A lot of our co- former colleagues from ICW, Source, fierce females from all around wrestling in Scotland have been bigging it up for Nikki on Twitter. It's great to see Nikki Cross grew up literally miles away from us, so it's been a bit of a strange journey with regards to her main roster run. I don't think anyone saw this coming with how it's went, but she is in the limelight, she is in the spotlight, she's been getting a lot of TV time, and she now holds some gold. So congratulations, Nikki Cross, you've made me a very proud Scot this week. Last week, we obviously touched on NXT TakeOver. As far as I'm aware, there has only been one addition to the card, and that comes in the form of Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Now, this rivalry has been budding for quite a while now. It's obviously that it was going to come to a head at some point, and it happens to be at TakeOver. This, this is the first time since... I want to say TakeOver London that we've had two women's matches on the main card. I'm surprised because there has been the build of Matt Riddle and Killian Dane, but it's not to be. We've got two women's matches on the card. Candice LeRae has... It's not even a case of she's deserved it because she's not even had a, much of a chance to showcase that she does deserve it. She's played second She's played fiddle, second fiddle to Johnny Gargano for far too long. She's played second fiddle to Kyrie Sane for far too long as well. It just seems to be now that she's coming into her own and management seem to trust her with some sort of singles programme. This could come into use later on. If, for instance, Mia Yim isn't the one to dethrone Shayna Baszler, then Candice LeRae is waiting right there because I'm sure she's got it in her. I know for a fact she's a good wrestler. Um, she's already over with the crowd. It's time for Candice LeRae to not be Mrs Gargano anymore. It's time for her to be uh, Mrs Lerae, even though that you know what I mean it's time for Candice Lerae to get her spotlight and Io Shirai she's a good hand that might be a derogatory term when it comes to wrestlers but in my opinion she's okay she's not set the heather alight for me in a big bad way however her heel persona it should work well and I'm sure the Toronto crowd will lap it up boo, boo the living daylights out of her and Candice will shine as a result. So my prediction for that one is a nice wee Candice Lady win to get her TakeOver debut official off to a winning start. If you want to catch the rest of the NXT TakeOver card, uh, it was discussed last week in the other show, so feel free to check out Social Suplex's archives for that wee ditty, and also talked about NXT UK, just the pros and cons of it overall. The Cardiff takeover is fast approaching and due to the issues wondering what's going to happen tonight, I managed to catch NXT UK live for the first time in since maybe its first ever episode. It was a very good show. The, I know I was a bit heavy on Tony Storm last week, but these video, these hype videos that they've done for Kaylee Ray versus Tony Storm, they have been fantastic. There's a real air of unease about how their friendship is disintegrated. Um, Tony Storm seems to be bemused as to what's happened to Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray seems bitter about something which she's not really letting on about, and it's coming across really well. I think we've seen that Kaylee Ray can wrestle in the ring for for WWE. Seen it in the May Young Classic as well, but now we're getting a bit of character to her, and it's added quite the number of layers. It's turned into the match that I'm looking forward to the most based off these videos so far. So, can't wait for that one. Can't come quick enough. And the tag team scene has taken a a bit of a change as well. Last week it seemed as if it was going to just be Gallus, a.k.a. Wolfgang and Mark Coffey, taking on 
my heroes, Zach Gibson and James Drake, but it is going to be in Cardiff, and you do have two Cardiffonians or Cardiffansians in the form of Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I was surprised because I was I heard that Flash Morgan Webster was in a bad way injury-wise, but he seems to have been cleared, and it's looking like we could have some sort of triple threat tag team match. Looking forward to that, especially with a couple of home hometown heroes in there. That will make sure there will be a very lively atmosphere. And Joe Coffey versus Dave Mastiff was the main event of NXT UK this week. Brutal match, powerhouse. Turnbuckle was ripped apart. Joe Coffey's eardrum was burst. He was bleeding. And he had some equilibrium issues throughout the match, which there was a part where it looked as if he botched, but I don't know because it had happened just after he burst the eardrum or whatever it was that happened to him. So it played in, and it was as if he lost his balance. Those two guys had a double count-out after one of um, Joe Coffey's, you know, the pounce that he does on the apron out to the floor. Double count-out, it kind of reminded me of Keith Lee and Dijakovic from a few months ago on NXT, where two brutal beasts can't really finish their match because they just want to batter lumps out of each other so much. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that we're going to get their match at NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. I wouldn't have been overly gutted if it hadn't been a match at Cardiff, but those guys, they've got a good chemistry together. You've got that hatred boiling over, and I would love for nothing more than to see all of Gallus represented at TakeOver Cardiff. So, with all that sort of side stuff out the way... I'm going to move on to SummerSlam. I'm still sure that this SummerSlam is earlier than normal. If not, then it feels as if there's not been enough of a break between the last pay-per-view, which was Extreme Rules, and this SummerSlam, because it's still it's this Sunday, but it feels as if this should be another couple of weeks build. And I say that because they've been running... Pro- this feels like... I don't know if this has been evident before, but it feels like normally they have storylines leading up to pay-per-views and those storylines are the ones that get all the the airtime on Raw and SmackDown. All the focus on Twitter from the commentators during matches. But what we've seen so far, again, this is only Wednesday. They could do their usual and announce some matches on social media over the next few days. But we've had interactions between Rey Mysterio and Andrade. We've had Alistair Black and Sami Zayn, who had a match in SmackDown. We've had interaction between Mustafa Ali and Shinsuke Nakamura for what we thought would be possibly an intercontinental title match at SummerSlam. But nothing's happened there. So... I'm not I'm not fussed by that because if it means we're going to get a bloated card then that, that doesn't always work out well. It's just a bit strange that you've got all this stuff going on and it's not going to be the focal point of SummerSlam because you have other matches that are happening there. And I think the biggest focal point that's been talked about the most, bizarrely, and it doesn't officially have a match yet is the, the Who Done It situation with Roman Reigns. He was a victim of a forklift driving driver forklift truck accident last week and this week on Raw he was someone attempted to mow him down and he cornered Buddy Murphy in the locker room this week at the end of Smackdown and I was convinced when I saw the pictures online when I woke up and I saw Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy locked up I thought you dancer shout out to Rance aka Ray Cash we had wax lyrical about possibly having Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy at SummerSlam with Buddy Murphy having this breakout moment. A Rikishi version of I Did It For The Rock. Obviously that didn't turn out too well for Mr Fatu himself in the long run but I would have been more than happy to see what they would have done with Buddy Murphy if it was him. And it's not exactly, he's not exactly in the clear. He seems to know what went down. He has pointed the finger at Eric Rowan. Uh, Rowan and Daniel Bryan were in the ring during this quote-unquote confession and said nothing. There has been a video posted online about it. Uh, What does it say again? I'll need to double-check. 
Yep, I found the video here and since I'm on mowing, I'm going to flesh out a bit of time and actually play the, the audio from that video. I had an advert for a sequel to The Olympus Has Fallen and it had, what's his face? Gerard Butler, who has the same accent issues as Drew McIntyre, so there's a wee tie in there for you. wonder if that's why they had the advert before this video. But here is what Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan had to say about the allegations fired their way. Excuse me, Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Uh, how do you respond to the accusations levied by Buddy Murphy that, Rowan, you were involved in the attacks against Roman Reigns? This is typical media spin. This is typical media spin. And I like how you guys don't try to put any of the blame on Roman Reigns. What happened when Roman Reigns asked Buddy Murphy? What happened? What did he say he saw? He said he saw no one. And only when he had his head forced against the wall by Roman Reigns did he say anything about Rowan. What would you do if I pinned your head to the wall? And I said, you couldn't leave until you gave me a name. I guarantee you, you would give me a name. I don't know Buddy Murphy. I don't care about Roman Reigns. All I know is Rowan has nothing to do with this. So, you've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. They have denied the allegations. So, the plot thickens with that one. The thing I find funny about it was um, Daniel Bryan says he doesn't know Buddy Murphy. Well, Daniel, you're not the only one because that is the first time, first or two or three, that he's appeared since WrestleMania. So, fingers crossed that Buddy Murphy's still involved in some way, shape or form. Obviously, I might have some copyright issues there by playing some WWE content audio on this. But, WWE, if you're not going to make sure my Kindle Fire app is up and running nicely, then prepare for some retaliation. So, what's also interesting about this is Samoa Joe has entered the fray and seems to be some sort of companion or alliance or ally of Roman Reigns. The Samoan Joes has been the tag team name that's come up, which has been quite hilarious. I've been chuckling away to that one. So you've got five guys there. Six, no, five. Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan and Buddington Murphy, the third. So these five guys, they've been involved in a whodunit over the last two weeks, but neither, none of them have a match scheduled for SummerSlam. I do imagine that there's going to be, this will be one of those SummerSlams where they've got a story running through the show. There'll be backstage skits. You've got Roman Reigns on the poster for SummerSlam. I'm sure he'll be involved in some some way. So I'm sure that story will come to a head. I'm looking forward to it. There's been um, gripes about the production of the last week's forklift incident. <sighs> okay, so who cares? It's been humorous and we all enjoy a good whodunit now and again so looking forward to see how that one pans out and for me the obvious people who are involved in this, I mean you had a forklift truck and a car, a large car used as weapons, clearly it's heavy machinery that's involved in all this, thank you I didn't even have a joke planned for this solo show but you just got one free of charge, you're welcome ladies and gents the rest of SummerSlam. It's a mixed bag. I have to say it really is a mixed bag. There are some matches that I'm looking forward to a lot more than others and there are some that I'm just thinking why. Not even why, it's just this is the usual. Part-timers come in. I won't say steal the spotlight because it's all on the network. It's all there for people to see but this Dolph Ziggler and Goldberg thing, the only good thing that's come out of this is Dolph Ziggler copying Goldberg's entrance on SmackDown this week. Miz, as a babyface, sorry to say, it has not been a roaring success whatsoever for me. He's lost a couple of times to Shane McMahon on the bounce. Uh, he had something going on with Bobby Lashley, I can't even remember the outcome of that. 
And since then he's done a wee bit of this, a wee bit of that, and then starts having altercations with Dolph Ziggler only for him. This A-lister, who comes across usually as a clever man, to sign a contract that will allow him to wrestle a match on Raw. That is not... I think... That's just nonsense. If you're going to do a match with Goldberg, Goldberg could hammer his way in and batter Miz or something like that, but you don't want that for some reason. It just doesn't strike me as true that the Miz, this guy that we've known for years now, would bow down to someone like Goldberg because it's just nonsense. Poor Miz, babyface run has been not a disaster. Nothing's a true disaster, but this has been lacklustre to say the least. Um. While I've not got anything positive to say about Rick, uh, Charlotte Flair and Trish Stratus, I've not got much to say either. It's just another one of those part-timers coming in. Okay, it's a fresh one. You've got Trish Stratus has only had one or two matches since Evolution, if you include the Royal Rumble as well from last year. Not interested, really. I'm more interested in Becky Lynch, Natalia, and... Bailey versus Ember Moon matches, Trish, Stratus and Flair. I get it. I get the appeal. You've got icons of each of their eras against each other. But not much to say. It's just one of those things. Couldn't care less. You you know my stance on part-time as well by now if you're a regular listener. So it may be one of those ones I'll watch if I've got enough time, but the fast-forward button might be skipped. One that's so that's two that I'm just not caring about at all. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. I mean, Kevin Owens last year became injured very shortly after Extreme Rules or SummerSlam, one of the two. And he wasn't really doing much apart from running away from Braun Strowman. But before that, he had... You're talking from WrestleMania back all the way to SummerSlam. He had a feud ongoing with Shane McMahon. Now, I get it. Wrestling is cyclical. You do have feuds that regurgitate themselves now and again, which is quite evident here in a couple of the other matches. But this rivalry lasted for eight, eight, nine months nearly between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And the stuff that happened with Kevin Owens after that, it was a blip on the radar. So it feels as if he's done nothing apart from feud with a couple of people and then Shane McMahon for the rest of it. I love Kevin Owens. I'm a big fan of him. I've even grown to accept and even tolerate Shane McMahon's role as of late on TV. But even with the stipulation of Kevin Owens possibly quitting if he loses, wow, it's not much interest in it at all, which is a shame. It's not every day that I say I'm not looking forward to a Kevin Owens match. Again, if I've got time, I'll I'll try and catch it. If not, no love lost there. Just looking at the card, this is a rough one here. As I say again, it might be extended over the course of the next few days, but I'm just going from what I have here for these 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10 matches so far. The other one which has kind of fallen below my radar... And it pains me to say this, but it's Finn Balor and The Fiend, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. Oh, I'm not sure if I care much about Bray Wyatt already. That might come as a shock, and I'm sure Ricky, if he ever listens back to this, will be unhappy with that. He's taken out a couple of legends with his adopted new move, seemingly the Mandible Claw. Taken out Mick Foley, he's taken out Finn Balor, and he's taken out the King himself, Kurt Angle, with not much build towards the SummerSlam match itself. Now, Finn Balor was seen on a drip feed of some sorts on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure his health is up to scratch, so it's quite uh, freaky that we're coming to the summertime, Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt are looking to feud with another of Bray Wyatt's different personas and someone of the two is sick. The match might still go ahead, it's scheduled to, but it's just a bit of a freaky coincidence considering what happened two, I want to say, two years ago. So, the match I'm sure will be good. It's 
Finn Balor, dynamic wrestler, Bray Wyatt, I do enjoy his style. It's just it feels as if we've not seen him actually wrestle for, well, it has been over a year now. Crazy stuff. Well, if you want to include the ultimate deletion and all that stuff, but I won't because I'm short on time. Bailey versus Ember Moon. Stoked for this one, I have to say. The crowd reactions have been very interesting with Bailey getting quite a lot of booze from the crowd throughout. Also, Ember Moon, just basically Ember Moon getting some time to shine. I've really appreciated appreciated that. I think for pure athleticism alone, Ember Moon might be one of, if not the best women's wrestler on the whole roster. Excellent technical skills, excellent high-flying skills, and that finisher, the total eclipse of the, the Bailey, excellent finisher there. It's one of those ones, it's not exactly out of nowhere, but it can end a match instantly, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this one. I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what the crowd reaction will be for Bailey, who's going to, I'm not sure if it's Montreal or Toronto, which is Bizarro World, but you've got a Canadian crowd there, they'll make their voices known. I don't know if we'll see a change of title, a title change of hands here. You've got that spectre of Sasha Banks hanging about all the time that seems she is conspicuous in her absence to say the least these days. You could argue she has some sort of unfinished business. <laughs> That's easy to say. Some sort of unfinished business with Bailey, even though they left as friends, but we'll see what happens there. The other women's match is Becky Lynch versus Natalia. I've been digging this, I have to say. It's been... Natalia has went into the history books posting pictures of their time in Japan of their time in just training in dungeons and stuff back in the day over in Europe and Natalia has been mocking Lynch for quitting wrestling back in the day and that she's come back and she's become her own worst enemy and that she Lynch is now like the face of the company as is, as has been evidenced with her front cover appearance on the upcoming wrestling computer game alongside the big dog himself and it's a submission match I feel like a broken record but Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks at NXT TakeOver Unstoppable I think it was called in 2015 it wasn't a submission match rules but that basically turned into a submission match between the bank statement and the disarm her the that, that alone gets me excited I do enjoy the submission match stipulation both are good with the old technical wrestling. There has been enough bite in Natalia recently. Her promo skills aren't up to scratch, but there's still enough bite in what she's had to say to get me invested in it. And it's kind of all all six women involved. You've got Flair, Stratus, Lynch, Natalia, but Bailey and Ember have been interacting with one another, big enough each of the matches. That is the hashtag shared universe at play there which is one of the benefits of this wildcard rule, which I don't think they even mention anymore, do they? And if they haven't, again, I said it back at the start, just tell yourself that the superstar draft or brand split, shake-up, whatever you want to call it, doesn't exist, and you'll be better for it. You get to see surprise people every now and again. Just taking a wee drink here, a swig of um, homemade lemonade for the working man. There we go. This one has become, oh, hard to watch. Seth Rollins has become hard to watch. Seth Rollins' promo this week was excruciating to watch. I don't know what had happened to him there. It it was as if some sort of robot had taken over his body, his vessel. And... Seth was doing what he does best, selling injuries constantly, only when it suits him. So I'm sure that despite the back and the ribs taped up and all the bandages and his knee holding together, Seth will sell everything he's got and then miraculously do some sort of phoenix splash off the top of the arena to possibly win. It's got that feel about it that Seth Rollins won't even win this at all. There's just no, not anywhere near as much oomph as there was compared to WrestleMania. The build for that was decent. Not great, but it was decent. You did feel as if Seth was going into it with the potential of winning. 
not getting that at all just now. I've not seen a lot of what's going on between them and I've not really wanted to. You Again, you know my feelings on Mr Brock Lesnar. They, they remain the same, really. But it's hard to, hard to argue that they've built Seth Rollins up to be a strong challenger. And it's strange because in the past he has always been better in the chase, as we've seen with his... Um, not too great title run this year and he has been better on the chase before but this time around not sure what's been going on there bizarre stuff and it comes at an inopportune time for Mr Rollins what with his outspokenness on Twitter and in interviews and rumours about his uh, I can't remember what the correct term is for this no, not homewrecker or Cuck or whatever the word is that he's basically not too enamoured with people staying in stable relationships and he likes to do stuff about it. I'm not sure what's going on there. I didn't really read too much into that one. But he has opened his mouth a few times on Twitter of late and it's not won him many fans. So that might be feeding into the overall apathy towards his title chase this time around. I would love nothing more than to see him beat Lesnar just to have it on him However, if that was the case, then let us have some sort of quick title change onto another full-timer. Someone who is, even if it is one of the cool heels, just give it to them. Give the fans something to cheer about, please. That would be nice. Thank you very much. Um, I've only got a couple left here. I've I've flown through it. Apologies if you wanted more in-depth analysis. We will... Fingers crossed if Ricky's back next week. Might have might have a, a cheeky guest lined up for you. We'll go into a lot more detail with regards to the stories surrounding these matches and the fallout. But we're almost at a close. A couple of, two or three matches left. Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. Now this one is a strange one because over the course of 2019 and the latter half of 2018... I've grown to quite enjoy what Randy Orton brings to the product. Just this pissed off guy who comes in and does what he wants, when he wants, and this time he's focused on Kofi Kingston. There's a lot that makes sense about this story, and I will champion the long-term booking here. Every other promotion's allowed to champion long-term booking when it suits them, so that's what I'm doing here. And they tapped into that this week with SmackDown, uh, a hype video, talking about Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton back in 2009 I've never said 2009 in that fashion before so count yourselves lucky that you got to witness that Uh, talking about how Kofi was set for stardom he was over like Rover against Randy Orton back in the day and some sort of botched move Randy Orton threw his toys out of the pram and basically threw Kofi to the wolves there were rumours at the time that Orton had said no, Kofi can't be trusted and since then it took quite a while for him to regain any momentum as much as he has this last year their paths haven't crossed that much over the last 10 years until recently from what I can remember anyway so this has been an interesting story Kofi has battled against the odds for months now and he's been booked very strongly. No, I've got no qualms whatsoever with Kofi Kingston as WWE champ. And I wouldn't be surprised and hope that he still remains a champion at this time. Add another tally to his, add another notch to his belt of W's over very credible wrestlers. Randy Orton is definitely one of them. Say what you want about him, but when it comes to wrestling, he's got it made. He is, he is a obviously a future Hall of Famer but even without that his body of work speaks for itself so if he's able to add Randy Orton to his victims Kofi has just cemented himself even further into becoming one of the best one of the best book babyface champions in maybe even a decade it's a wild claim to make but trying to think off the top of my head anyone who's been super strongly booked maybe CM Punk's in there but his name is dirt as far as WWE is concerned and with me so I'll just say it I can't remember off the top of my head a world champion who's been booked 
as strongly and as successfully as Kofi Kingston has in the last 10, 11 years. And it's funny that his journey, as they keep on harping on about, has been 11 years. Interesting re-observation for you there. What have I got? The US title match between Alan Jones-Styles and King Ricochet, Prince Puma, Trevor Mann, whatever you want to call him. Uh, this has been excellent. This is a match, this is perfect in many ways because one ticks a box that an NXT star has been getting prominent TV time and a prominent push, a, a title run and a programme against one of the key figures in WWE. So that's, I've already lost count, I've already lost fingers in one hand about what's good about this this um, programme between him and AJ Styles. Two, we're making use of Gallows and Anderson again. I still don't see them as a credible tag team. They've never come across that way on WWE. I understand it was a different story in New Japan, but I mean, they're still decent. They're still a decent outfit and it keeps everyone happy. And we also have seen AJ Styles resort to becoming a heel again. Personally, I preferred his heel work back in 2016-2017. Bizarre saying this, considering how long he was a a natural super white meat babyface on TNA back in the day, but he just seemed more at home being a heel. Does AJ Styles, and I think they've they've meshed really well. They've had really good matches. There's just a good, there's a good, and atmosphere or ambience about the this tussle that they've had. I'm not sure if the title will change hands. It would be interesting if it does to get the title back on Ricochet. This is just one of those sleeper matches that I think will be one of the hits of the night. Maybe not the whole weekend, because obviously you know what happens with takeovers and another one which might be a sleeper hit, which I'll touch on in a moment. But Styles and Ricochet, if they're given a good 15 minutes or so, I'm sure they'll put on a show that will be remembered for quite some time. So that might be the one I'm looking forward to the most. Last, but certainly not least despite WWE's treatment of said brand, but we have the 205 Live Cruiserweight Championship match. No doubt will be on the pre-show between Andrew Gulak and Oni Lorcan. Oni Lorcan won a six-pack challenge this week on 205 to become the number one contender. I was a bit iffy with regards to Oni's use on 205 Live. His promo skills are, like, honestly, some of the worst I've ever seen in comparison to his Twitter skills which are some of the best I've ever seen who knew that just putting everything in uppercase would make this guy a legend on the old Twitter but he's coming to his own he had a coming out party against Aria Devari in an anything goes match so the use of weapons suited Lorcan's personality and I think Drew Gulak suits Lorcan's personality because Gulak is not afraid to get uh, violent as it were we've seen his matches with what's his face Matt Riddle of late uh, on NXT TV a few months ago and at the Evolve show a few weeks ago Drew Gulak can take a beating and only Lorcan can provide a beating so I expect this to be a fast paced affair it's quite good it's, it's refreshing because when I saw that once again Drew Gulak didn't have a number one contender with only one episode of 205 Live left to go. I was thinking, here we go. They're going to do some sort of random announcement. And they did, and it was another six-pack challenge, and I looked at the names, and I saw Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, Jack Gallagher. Would have been interesting because they've still not really sorted out their differences from when Jack Gallagher attacked Drew Gulak a few months ago. Aria Devari uh, who else? Kalisto that was a bizarre one so those guys have all either been champions or involved in the championship scene Devari actually had a title picture shot with Neville a few years ago so he has been involved so for only Lorcan to get the rub at the big four against Drew Gulak who has been on a mission to basically it's as if he's he's actually happy in 205 and he's not in any rush to go to the main roster he wants to continue to build this brand to what he believes it can be built by brick built brick by brick 
and a champion made of struggle or something like that. So Gulak's persona has been very proud on Twitter recently. And only Lawkins come in and he's just going to smash up Gulak with running uppercut after Blockbuster, after somersault off the top rope. It will be a kinetic match. Very much looking forward to it. So there's nothing much to say about this one apart from give us it, give us it and give us it now. There we have it folks, that has been the SummerSlam preview. It wasn't how I envisioned it, but we've got it in the bag. Need to make sure we've still got some weekly content for the good old Social Suplex podcast network. Uh, Just want to double check, unless there's been some sort of new announcement. I covered Lesnar Rollins, Flair Stratus, Kofi Orton, Lynch Natalia, Bailey Ember, KO Shane, Balor Wyatt, Gulak Oni, Styles Ricochet. Yep, I've got it covered. If there are any matches added before the, and before SummerSlam, then there you go. You can make up your own preview for it. So, come to the end of the show. I did have a quiz scheduled for. Mr. Ricky himself, he is obviously not here. However, what I will do is, just for a bit of fun, no competition here, no um, send your comments in. You can always comment your answers in the Twitter episode that I drop. But I'll I'll ask you guys the questions and you can play along at home. I'm sure you usually do play along at home. And there's no point in asking for quiz questions to be answered online because you guys will be on some sort of device whether it's a laptop or a phone and you'll have Google right next to you so just play along and listen as I give you a a wee quiz to do with SummerSlam weekend not necessarily SummerSlam itself but over the last few years we've had a few NXT TakeOver Brooklyn's and I'd like to add them into the mix this week as well so here we go it's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. In fact, I've just decided that I'll just give you the answers after a short pause because some of them have got a wee anecdote beside them, and I'm sure you'll appreciate the humour of it all. This one might not be as funny as first, so here we go. SummerSlam weekend quiz. Number one, at SummerSlam 2005, who defeated Orlando Jordan in less than half a minute to become the United States champion? SummerSlam 05, who beat OJ, not that one, in under a minute to become the US champ? The answer is Mr. Pixelface himself, Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit. I remember that match vividly. I remember a lot of SummerSlam 05 vividly. One of my favourite SummerSlams. Excellent from top to bottom. Number two. Edge made his SummerSlam debut in which year? Edge made his SummerSlam debut in which year? If you said 2000, then you'd be wrong. If you said 1999, you would also be wrong. He made his debut for SummerSlam debut in 1998 in a mixed tag match between himself and Sable against Mark Miro and, oh my god, I can't remember her name right now. Why did I not write this down? Edge, let's just, Edge and Sable. (laughs) Oh, it's Mark Miro. Versus Jacqueline. There we go. Edge and Sable versus Mark Camero and Jacqueline. That was Edge's SummerSlam debut. Number three. Who won the match at SummerSlam 2000 between Undertaker and Kane? Who won the match between Undertaker and Kane at SummerSlam 2000? Are you scratching your head in confusion? That is because the match technically did not really happen as the brawl, the biker taker and masked Kane were brawling at ringside. Undertaker tried to rip off Kane's mask. He succeeded and Kane ran away like a wee school child, screeching and shrieking like a pig, holding his masked, unmasked face. So the match never took place. Number four. Who became the NXT champion at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3? Numero tres. Who was the NXT champion? 
If I told you that the champion leading into that was Robert Roods, would you know now that the answer would be... That's right, everybody's favourite Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre, who was attacked eminently from the guys from the Undisputed Era. Number five, what was the WWE Women's Championship match at SummerSlam 2016? Now, while you ponder that, I thought I knew this. I actually thought I had the answer and I was wrong because I seemed to get that and the September pay-per-view from 2016 mixed up. I was under the impression that it was a triple threat between Bailey, Becky, uh, Bailey, Sasha Banks and Charlotte but it was actually just a singles match between Charlotte and Sasha Banks. If you don't remember it, that's the one where Sasha did a massive Frankensteiner from the top rope and nearly ended her career and Pulse as a result from a brutal landing. Number six, which current AEW, that's Aiden English Wrestling, female wrestler made an appearance at NXT Brooklyn 1? Which current AEW female wrestler slash superstar? Oh, that would be brilliant. Imagine AEW started calling their wrestlers superstars. Uh, at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. The answer is the librarian, a.k.a. Leva Bates, a.k.a. Blue Pants. Number seven. Out of these three people, who has the worst win-loss record out of with zero and seven? So you've got Brie Bella, Marty Gennetti, or Jeff Hardy. That would be quite the table for three. Brie Bella, Marty Gennetti and Jeff Hardy, I don't think they'd have much to talk about with each other apart from how abysmal their SummerSlam records are. Now, obviously, all three of these have had tag team matches in their career. I can't remember if there's ever been a Brie Bella, Nikki Bella tag match at SummerSlam, but if you count those in, Jeff Hardy has an awful, absolutely awful 0-7 and seven with regards to wins and losses at SummerSlam. So, Jeff Hardy, you are the worst SummerSlammer of all time. Who is the best Summer Slammer of all time? Number eight. Technically, this person is tied. They both have the same gap of wins and losses, if that makes sense. Edge has a staggering eight wins. Eight wins for Edge at SummerSlam. But he has lost twice. So even though he has a six-point six gap, he's still lost a couple of matches. Uh Unfortunately, it was everyone's least favourite racist, Hulk Hogan. He won. He has won six matches and lost zero at SummerSlam. So, by default, with no losses to his name and a six-point window, Hulk Hogan is your best SummerSlammer. Sorry to break that news to you. Number nine. What was the main event of SummerSlam 2006? What was the main event of SummerSlam 2006? 2006? I've not got much to talk about with this one. This was the the summer of... He he had a summer beforehand as well. Mr Adam Copeland, baby. John Cena versus Edge for the WWE Championship. I believe if Edge cheated or was disqualified, he would lose the title, but he won. I can't remember if he did cheat during it. Knowing Edge, he probably did. Number 10... Now, I will make this one a comments one. If you can do it in order, feel free to answer in the comments of the post on Twitter. Um, in order, from earliest to most current, name the last five SummerSlam main events. There is no prize for this. I would appreciate if you didn't Google it. Name the last five SummerSlam main events from 2014 up until 2018. Answers on the postcard, please, and the winner will receive a heart in their Twitter mentions. That's all. It's just a wee, wee way to interact with some people. So that has been the quiz, and this has been another solo show, and this has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. We are on the the, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Network. That's um, something to ponder, Jeremy, if you're listening. I mean nothing by it. Uh, we are on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We are joined by some excellent podcasts such as One Nation Radio, 
keeping it strong style. Grown men watch this shit. Get in the Ring has taken a bit of a backseat just now as Danny is doing a chop shop where he interviews um, personalities from around the wrestling online sphere, asking about their wrestling experiences, whether they have wrestled or been involved in the business and whatnot, or just general fans. And you also have All Things Elite. Go to the podcast app of your choice and give that a nice big five-star review. If you're listening to this in Japan or Tokyo, please give it seven stars. And also, the website has all the podcasts as well, as well as the columns that we do. Lots of columns at the moment, lots of stuff to read, so check out the website, socialsuplex.com, and you can get all that content sent directly to your email inbox with by hitting the subscribe button. We have a proud sponsors, powerslam.tv, I've said that already, just a reminder, over 4,000 hours of wrestling from around the world, for free, for a month, with the social suplex promo code, prowrestlingtees.net, go to the social suplex page and you'll get some lovely teas there, and some coffees as well. Uh, wrestling Squared Circle is a Facebook group if you want to chat to us and our listeners and our friends, and we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Let's all do some prayer circles for the next week to make sure that Ricky is available for the, the SummerSlam review. It is a pay-per-view I'm very much looking forward to, albeit you wouldn't think so from the stuff I've said tonight. But as has been the case this year personally, TV's been a bit skewed with and the pay-per-views themselves have been top quality. So I'm sure we'll get that and we'll get more for the, the who done it for who, who battled Roman Reigns. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. If you've stayed with me this long, it is appreciated. Thank you and for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Enjoy TakeOver and enjoy SummerSlam. Ciao for now. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.